Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Heavenly Father, we come again with bowed heads and humbled hearts and contrite spirits. Thanking you again, Lord, for another day not promised to us. Lord, I'm asking that you forgive us of our sins and our iniquities and our shortcomings and transgressions and those things that place a veil between you and us. Lord, I'm grateful for this time I have with my brothers and sisters in Christ, Lord, that you've given us another day yet to get into your word and fellowship together. Though we've had long weeks, Lord, and all types of dangers seen and unseen are about us, Lord, that you have always held us in your hand. And we just thank you for being an awesome God. We thank you for being so faithful, so true, Lord. We thank you that you have given us your mercy and spared us your judgment. And we're just grateful, Lord, that you are an everlasting and righteous God, that although you could have been done with us so long, that you've given us yet another time to be able to walk with you. And I'm asking, Lord, that you just look out for those, Lord, who wanted to be here today and couldn't make it. For other members of the ministry being attacked, Lord, I'm just, I'm just praying, Lord, that you release them from what the shackles of the devil are doing to them. Binding them and keeping them from coming, Lord. Making them doubt. These are things that are not of you. I pray for my friends, Lord, who have had trouble with their marriages. One of my friends, Lord, going through divorce. I'm asking, Lord, because she is a believer that you rekindle that marriage, Lord. I'm just asking, Lord, that you build up everyone here, that we may get busy and do your work. I'm asking for a strong presence of the Holy Ghost tonight, that he may teach us his word, that he may allow us, Lord, to grow in this and to chew on it. Letting us be nursed, Lord, as babes, that one day we may have the meat and be endued with power. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I bind every foul spirit, every demonic spirit, every spirit of error, every spirit of contention, every spirit of confusion, every spirit of jealousy, malice, hatred, every spirit of fear, doubt, and unbelief, every spirit of rejection, Lord, every spirit of pride, every spirit, Lord, of self-righteousness, every spirit that is anti-Christ and goes against you, Lord, I'm just asking that it be knocked down. I'm asking, Lord, that you open those doors, Lord, that your word may flow to all those who are listening, so that the eyes of those who can't see and the ears of those who can't hear may get your word, Lord. Whatever boundaries, whatever blockage, whatever cholesterol, Lord, that's keeping the Spirit from giving us the fulfilling, Lord, I'm asking that it be taken out of the way. I'm asking if I have done anything to hurt this ministry, Lord, or to keep it from growing, Lord, I'm asking that you... Show me what those things are so that they may be made right. I'm asking, Lord, for other brethren, Lord, and sisters that are strong believers, let them come into the fold, Lord, for we need the help. We need the numbers. We need those who mean business as we go upon this thing, Lord, believing you. Going into the tasks that are necessary, Lord, for eternal life. 
And let us not think of ourselves, Lord. Let us think of you. Let us not be selfish, Lord. Let us be diligent, not slothful in doing what you have called us. For you are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. You are faithful, just, and true. And you are worthy of all praises. Lord, I ask that you do these things for your glory and for your honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so tonight's study is going to be called Faith to Faith, Glory to Glory. Um, I think that this is going to be an important study also because I think what hurts us in many cases is, you know, we don't monitor our growth. And I think that um, we need to be sensitive enough to the Spirit to know when the Lord is telling us to make moves and to be still and know that He is God. Because I think when it comes down to us doing the will of the Lord, in many cases we find ourselves saying, well, let's be still and know that He is God. And in 10 years down the road, you'll be saying the same thing. Be still and know that He is God. So my thing is, when do we ever find it enough in us to want to do His will? When are we ever at the place in faith that we may just cast it all aside and do what He's calling? And He's been on my case about this this week because... You know, there's nothing wrong with getting prepared, but there is so much we can do for the kingdom in that length of time, whether it's sharing the word, whether it's our own study time, you know, whether it's just encouraging others, people we may see in distress every day, just going to them, hey man, you know, it'll be okay. Is there anything I can do for you right now? You know, this is why we're available is to do the Lord's will. But I think part of it is, is because when we start moving for the Lord, you know, James always brought up momentum, and, you know, he's right about that as far as growth, because we can be in places where we're standing still, and I think Sarah said one time, we begin to start going backwards. We don't even realize it. If we stand still, we will eventually go backwards. Now, I'm not saying stand still for growth, stand still for guidance, stand still for direction. Those things are important. But if you notice, as we stand still, time does not. We're getting older. You know, there are things happening. There are people introduced to our lives every day that we didn't know yesterday. So, you know, there's always this constant movement and this motion. And there's nothing wrong with being still, but let's be still in the Lord. But let's go forward in what he calls us to do. So the reason why this is called faith to faith, glory to glory, is because when we are given faith, that is not the only thing that we should rest on. The Lord wants us to have more faith. He wants us to go as far as we can go. He doesn't want us to just have the spirit. He wants us to be bursting forth. But in order to do that, we have to stay moving with the Lord. Okay? Because we do a lot of things that we think are just so productive for God and they're not. The Lord is even on my case about ministering more. All right, you were out there the other day for a certain period of time. You need to go out there more. You need to get out there. Don't just let this be the only thing that you're doing. Because, they're, you know, this isn't going to reach everybody. Everybody doesn't have YouTube. Everybody doesn't have Internet. But we can get out there and really start doing things for him. But we need to know what it is that, keep us, that keeps us from having the faith essential to forward movement. Okay? Because we can get stopped. We know that we have an adversary that cares nothing about us. And he is so slick, man. He'll even take something like this and make us comfortable. And then we think that this is all there is. And then meanwhile, you know, the Lord may be saying, yeah, okay, you got that Tuesday and Sunday. Wednesday, I want a prayer service. Thursday, I want you guys on the streets. 
But you may feel, well, you know, I am ministering. I am in the Bible. But see, it's not about this. It's about obeying the Spirit. Because the Spirit may tell you, you know what? We're going to cancel Bible study tonight. And I want you to go and talk to someone. And you know, if that's what the Spirit wills, then that's what the Spirit wills. But one thing about us, and this is something that Satan knows, is that we can get very comfortable in our lives. We can get very comfortable in our prayer time with Jesus. And all the Lord wants us to have is ever-increasing faith. Let us not get comfortable with this because this isn't it. There's so much more that he wants us to do. And, and God is not like the devil. I've noticed that the devil, when you deal with people in witchcraft, the devil will give them power to go and, you know, cause mayhem and fold them up with pride and, you know, do all these satanic things. But God is like, you know, pouring a little in your cup as you go. Okay, this is the amount that you need because this is what you're doing. But when you're out there in the fight, in the battle, oh, you need more? You ain't even got to ask. The Lord is going to pour into your cup because he's recognizing the battle that you're going through for him. But why should he give you a full cup to do nothing? Mm -hmm. So these are things that, you know, he wants us to go forward. And that's why he says, these signs shall follow them that believe. As we go, the Lord will do. Because you're, you're going to need it. That's all I'm saying, you know? Helmet of salvation is good. But for some of us, that's all we're walking around with. You know, um, what is it? A sword of the Spirit is good. But that's all we're walking around with. So you're not ready to sustain blows if you're just quoting Scripture. You got to have that helmet on. You got to have that shield. Your feet need to be prepared to hit the streets. Your loins better be girded up with truth because the devil will kick you where it hurts. So these are things that we need to recognize is that, you know, this is just all about going forward with him. But if the Lord has put us in armor, the worst thing we can do is not know what to do with it. And that's why we got to seek him to go on the offensive at times, because it is great to fellowship and be with him. But when the Lord feels anguish in your heart and a desire to win souls and a desire to hate the things that God hates, and then you want to go out in the battle, oh man, this is when the Lord says, Right this way, because finally, someone's going to stand up. Now, you notice when David went against Goliath, it was nothing but David out there all by himself. There was army against army, but there was one that had that, man, this guy's talking about my God. So David wanted to go on the offensive, and the Lord was, have at it. You know, I'm with you. You're standing for me. So that's all I'm saying is, we can't believe that a Christian can't be offensive. We can it is great to love, but the Lord wants us to do too. And we're getting built up, okay? So I'm not saying this is an overnight process, but man, we got to have a desire to want to set the captives free. Let's go to Luke 4 real quick. I know we always start with a psalm, but I want to go to Luke 4. You ever notice though, when you are called to defend the faith and you speak up? You ever notice that you say more than you thought you would? Yeah. You ever you ever feel that mantle around you or that generator in your gut? And you're like, man, you're just bold and you're telling it. Why? Because the Lord is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, let me pour into you. Keep going. Let them know. You know, but when we, but what is that feeling you get when you won't say anything and you know the Lord told you to? Don't you feel like a coward? <laughs> Don't you feel that sickness in your gut? Like, oh, man, Lord, I should have said something, but I... 
know, sometimes I feel like I have nothing to say, and it bothers me, and I realize maybe the Lord is not telling me to say anything, and that's why I'm not saying anything. It's possible. Know, sometimes I do feel like that, you know, man, I should have said something, and I, mm-hmm. you know, didn't, like you said, mm-hmm. but sometimes it's just like, oh, yeah. Like, maybe it's good for you to shut up right mm-hmm. now. <laughs> no, there are, no, there is definitely a time. Mm-hmm. There is definitely a time for all things, but that's why we really do have to yield to the Spirit. Because when some people say, you know, if someone is talking negative about the Lord, do I defend it? That depends. You know, and this is why we got to understand what the Spirit is. Now, of course, we're called to declare the name of the Lord. But if he tells us, be silent, then be silent. So that's not a question that can just be answered in concrete. All right, well, when they do this, this is what you do. No, that's not led by the Spirit. You should have a one-on-one relationship with the Lord that he will tell you what to do at that time. But if we haven't been offensive in five years nor defended the Lord, I doubt the Lord is telling you for five years to keep your mouth shut. I think that's more about your lack of faith and and doing what the Lord tells us. So that's all I'm saying is that we just got to yield to him. If anything, he more often tells you to speak than to be quiet. That's right. That's right. I mean, and I'm telling you, there's nothing like the flow that you get when you when you defend the Lord. I don't even know how to explain that, but you can feel his presence right there with you. Even though you're in a crowd of people that want you to just shut up so bad, but you just, you know, it's all about the Lord. All right. So it says, uh, we'll start at verse 14, Luke 4 and 14. And Jesus returned in the power of the spirit into Galilee and there went out a fame of him through all the region round about. And he taught in their synagogue. So notice, first when he got the Spirit, the Spirit led him into the wilderness, separation for elevation. And then from there, he was taken right into doing the will. Okay, right into doing what the Lord told him to do. So it says, he taught in the synagogues, uh, being glorified of all. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was... He went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And and when he had opened the book, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Now, you know, uh, Jesus was fulfilling prophecy here, but if any of us have been baptized in the Spirit, we've been anointed to preach the gospel to the poor. So this is why the Spirit is upon him. And then it says, He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Now, of course, if we're out there ministering, we're not going to be the ones to heal anybody. We're going to preach who does heal. Okay? Then it says, To preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind and to set at liberty them that are bruised. I can tell you firsthand that if we have been baptized in the Spirit and we don't go, it's because we may not know what this is for. We may not know, you know, that the only reason that you were baptized in the Spirit was that you have now got a a salvation of power. And all it takes is your faith. At that point, I mean, because think about when it first happened. The Lord told you every day. Go and minister some more. You felt the love in God inside of you. Go and minister. Go and minister. Go and talk. Pray. Do this. Do that. And we, yeah, Lord, I will. I will. But notice after about a couple of months, because we didn't listen, don't you feel like it's not as much encouragement to go and do it? 
because of the fact that, you know, we're not yielding to the spirit. So when we have these experiences and the spirit tells us to do, man, we got to do it. If we want it to, if we want him to stay on us, God's kingdom is not a kingdom of slack. He won't do it. I'm telling you, I've even felt my power wane here, you know, because I'm doing too much of this and not going out and doing what is necessary. But there are times, man, when I was hungry, when I was out there talking more, man, it just felt like he kept pouring. But I got comfortable with the couple of people that I spoke to. I got comfortable with the things that, oh, well, yeah, I did cast out demons, you know, so Jesus said that. So then you feel like you graduated and you just, you know, I'll just wait for something else to come my way. No, when the Spirit comes upon you and the Spirit directs you to do, you do. Okay, and I mean, if, if there's anything that we're feeling like we're lacking, man, just ask the Lord for more. Even if it's fear, even if it's doubt, even if it's I don't have a lot of time. Why? Because we can't quench the spirit. God will make a way for every single one of us. But when we quench the spirit, I won't say it's a long time before he comes back. But I will say that, you know, it's almost like. You've got to get revved up in prayer and fasting for him to come back upon you. But he will urge you. And I'm not saying the spirit will leave you. But what I'm saying is he recognizes, look, I understand you're not at that place yet. So why don't you fast and pray, get into the word. When, you, when you're ready, I'll be back for you. And this is why there are times the Lord puts us on center stage. We're before people that we should preach the gospel. But when we sit back and we say nothing, it's almost like the crowds get smaller. It's almost like you find yourself just doing one-on-ones where at one time you had your boss out here. You had other people here. I mean, this was the time to set it ablaze, but we wouldn't pull the trigger. So this is what I'm saying, that Jesus came right away. As soon as the Spirit hit him, he fulfilled prophecy, and right away he went in to do these things. The worst thing we can do is have the Spirit and not know what to do with it. And believe me, I know. All right, so it says, um, set at liberty them that are bruised to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. So this is why Jesus came. But notice before this, before the spirit fell upon Jesus, Jesus just lived as an average man. I mean, he he quoted, he had wisdom and everything. But when the spirit comes upon us, man, it, it comes a point where it's time to do, even if it's just one person a day. So Jesus, I'm not going to say he increased in faith because I believe that he always knew what was what. Okay, I think Jesus was never in the dark trying to figure out what was going to happen. I believe he did know. But if we're going to walk with Jesus and faith to faith, glory to glory, then we've got to do what he's done. And there is no way around that. And there's no excuse for me. There's no excuse for anyone else that knows this. So, you know, hey, it's all good. It's just one of those things where we thank the Lord for opening our eyes to more. Right. All right. So let's go ahead. Sorry. Something that happened to me experience this weekend was the Lord was telling me to do something. And I there was obstacles in my way of, of serving him. Mm-hmm. And um, at first I said, all right, well, that must not be my opportunity or because, you know, it wasn't made easy. Mm-hmm. And I went back and I thought about it. And I knew it was wrong. And I'm like, okay, so I'm going to go back and I'm going to, uh, next time you know, go out of my way. And he mm-hmm. opened up a different way for me to serve. Yeah. And I had to go out of my way to be mm-hmm. able to do it. You know, mm-hmm. it wasn't just set up. Exactly. Exactly. Because, you know, right as the Lord knows that he's going to put you on a course to go and win souls, 
the devil can see that too. And right away, he's going to put something there difficult. Because we'll say, Lord, let me just meet somebody today I can win to the Lord. But you didn't know you were going to meet a murderer. You didn't know you were going to meet a whore or a drug addict laid out. What about this guy? But see, we already think that the person's going to somehow come up to us and, you know, hey, uh, I need help. And you, oh, have you known Jesus? Not in every case. It doesn't happen like that. The Lord said, preach to the poor. I mean, come on. If, if we don't preach anywhere else and we don't live that far from here, Christina and I and Sarah, Safeway is right there. I mean, there's nothing but people that need Jesus. And there's something about that little block. Like, you don't see it anywhere else. But when you get on that block, you see just about everybody that's homeless, drugged out, cracked out, or whatever, you know? But, you know, we can, we can do the will of the Lord. Because I'm thinking about, like, probably in a week or so, going out there, whoever wants to go, hey, it's not a crime to preach Jesus yet. So we may as well get to it. All right, so let's go to Romans chapter 1 real quick. Romans chapter 1, we'll start at verse 1. But man, when you feel that urge, that tug of the Spirit, that is the Lord telling you, let's get this done. Mm -hmm. God is not going to play with you and send you out somewhere just so he can sit back and laugh at you. That's not the God we serve. If he tells you to go, he's got something in store. All right, so this is Romans chapter 1. We'll start at verse 1, and it says, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son, uh, Jesus Christ, our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh. Now, you got these Hebrew Israelites, the ones that don't believe Jesus was born of a virgin. They go here not even recognize this is talking about Jesus coming in the flesh. This is not saying that Mary and Joseph had sex to produce Jesus. But I tell you what, if your mind is perverse, you can make this Bible say anything you want. Verse 4, And declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. Okay, so, um, all right, verse 5, let me continue. By whom we have received grace and apostleship, for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name. Now, we all know when you get baptized in the Spirit, it's because you've been obedient to the faith. There is something that you have told the Lord that you would not do. You pressed in hard, and you asked for the Lord to fill you. And when, that, when we get to that point with him, that he will do. But then the question is, why was it given to us? So, you know, for apostleship. For obedience to the faith among all nations for Jesus' name. So if we're out there representing Jesus, then we need to be like him. Verse 6. Among whom are ye also the called of Jesus Christ? To all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son. And without ceasing, I make mention of you always in my prayers. So Paul is recognizing why he was given the spirit also in your mouth. I mean, the faith of you, I mean, the faith of the Lord should be in our mouths, okay, that everyone should know. 
All right, verse 10. Making request of making request if by any means now at length I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. For I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end ye may be established. So, you know, when um, this is talking about when the presbytery comes and lays hands on the, the young in Christ, you know, and everything that they end up with um, some spiritual gift that the Holy Ghost may give us. I mean, it's it's nice that we pray in the spirit and it's nice that we minister to people, but we have to ask ourselves, do we know what our gift is in the Lord? Has that been revealed to us yet? And this is important, you know, because if this has been revealed to you and I, then then this is the thing that the Lord wants us to act upon. Now, I mean, I I don't know what I'm, I'm not going to say what my gift is because that's not important. But the the thing is, is the closer you get to the Lord, He'll show you what these things are, and these are the things that He intends for us to do. Not everybody. I mean, some they have the gift of laying on hands. Others will have the gift in prophecy. I mean, but the only way to notice is to have those fruit grown in us that the gifts may flow. So this really does have a lot to do with faith. If you notice, faith is a fruit of the Spirit, and it's a gift of the Spirit. So that is the common denominator behind these things. I mean, part of why I'm telling you we don't have full manifestation, it's got a lot to do with our faith. If I stand up, how many times has the Lord told you to lay hands on somebody and you said, I'm at work or I'm someplace that I may do this and people may laugh at me. And what if it doesn't happen? Then what? See, your mind has got to be cleared of all that stuff. So that way you want, hey, you laughing, but I've been there too. So I know what you're saying, but it's that feeling of what if. It's that what if that the Lord wants to tear down in your life and you go through it fully believing God. All right, so it says, uh, verse 11, For I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end ye may be established. That is that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith both of you and me. And it is important to be with people of like faith. Why? Because iron will sharpen iron. If you're around people that don't believe as you, they can railroad you from your faith. Okay, they can take it from you. And I'm not saying that they can take it from you without you holding on to it. But when you start to put yourself in circles where you cannot grow or where people have a lot of doubt, unless you're there to do the will of the Lord that people may have faith, what will end up happening is you'll start to wonder if it's true too. I mean, there are times I've gone out, man, believing and preaching and I heard someone say, well, you know, you can't really do that yet because you ain't done enough fasting. And you know what I said? Yeah, you're right. But I felt the Spirit tell me, go and do what I'm telling you to do. So we can't get railroaded. We got to know the Lord for ourselves. Verse 13. Now, I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes I purposed to come to you, but was let hitherto that I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. I am debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, uh, both to the wise and to the unwise. So Paul is supposed to be, if you're out there to preach the gospel, it is not about race. And this is what I keep trying to tell these Hebrew Israelites. 
God's word is for all. Okay, for all who will receive or won't receive. He didn't say go out and convince the world. He said go out and preach the gospel to everyone. Those who believe and those who don't believe. All right, verse 15. So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. This is important. He is not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. If we have some of this in us, man, no problem. Ask the Lord to remove it. Other than pretend it's not happening, because then what we will end up doing next is, the Lord told me not to say nothing. Is that the truth? Or are you ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Are you bold with these people because you know they know something about Jesus? But what about to the unbeliever here? So this is what the Lord is telling us. If we've got some shame, no problem. Pray that the Lord removes it from us. I struggle with this at times, so I'm not going to act like I'm Paul. You know, 17. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. So what he's saying is, in order to walk this thing out, in order to be in the righteousness of God, in order to not be ashamed, we need ever-increasing faith. Okay? If you might believe, but you may not believe enough. You may not believe that the Lord will stand for you if you're not doing certain, I mean, if you do certain things. That's okay. You know, but we've got to be realistic in our walk and understand the Lord that we may do what he calls us. We cannot mentally ascend. We cannot pretend. And believe me, I've tried. So I know it doesn't work. But if we're realistic in self, Lord, whatever it is that you want me to have, I don't have it. I am ashamed of your gospel. I'm asking that you give me what is necessary that I might not be afraid anymore. We just need to be perfected in Jesus. That's it. There is nothing wrong with admitting that. What did he say? A broken and contrite heart. God will not despise. Broken vessels are the only ones that the Lord is interested in. All right. So from here, let's move on. Because they said the just shall live by faith. You got people that will give you a bunch of rules and regulations like we talked about before. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't do this. Don't do that. But then what ends up happening, if, you, if you're going by faith and believing God, the Spirit will take care of it all by himself. There's nothing wrong with correction. But, man, we've got to live by faith. And you want to know something even scarier? What is that scripture? I think it's in Proverbs. That which, of, that which is not of faith is sin. Mm -hmm. So can you imagine how much sin we've got in our lives? And I'm not trying to make us feel bad. I'm just trying to just say, hey, guys, we got work to do. That's it. But from faith to faith, glory to glory. We've got to be able to move from one level unto the next. Well, we have to be catching the reality of, like you said, we can't get comfortable with where we are. Because if we do, it's just like that frog that you put in the water. Mm -hmm. If you put it in when the water's already hot, he'll jump out. Mm -hmm. But if you put him in and then you just slowly turn the, water, the heat up, and then, then you can burn him that way. So it's like... You know, we have to recognize that if we're, you know, just doing little things here and there and we're getting comfortable saying, okay, I've done this so I can go home and relax now, then, because the enemy won't stop. Like you said, if he sees any potential of someone serving Christ, 
He will not stop. He will pressure you and pressure you and pressure you and pressure you. And we have to be continue on in our faith with the Lord and not draw back. And see, here's the thing. We don't think that we're much or we're like slowly, you know, coming along. But I tell you what, the devil knows who you are. Mm -hmm. And the devil knows what God can give you. The devil does not underestimate you. I don't care how weak we are right now or how weak we think we are. We might be standing there in fear to preach, but guess what? The devil is hoping that you stay that way, all right? He doesn't want you to go out and say, you know what? I'm going to trust in the Lord. I don't care what's coming. I'm going to do what needs to be said. And then he starts trembling. So what does he do? Bring other temptations into your life. But one thing about Satan, he does not underestimate you. He knows the potential that God put in every single believer. And it's that that terrifies him. Because in these earthen vessels, God put an amazing treasure. But it's up to us to mine it and crack it open, pursuing him. That's right. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Tell you, Satan is no fool. Believe me. He's been walked up and down on by Christians as they found Jesus. He's sick of getting his butt kicked. So what did he do? Well, I'm going to make this world fun. I'm going to entice Christians into believing you're once saved, always saved. I'm going to entice you into believing that you're going to get raptured. Why? Because I don't want you to believe Jesus. It's bad for my health. So as long as you can stay out there in false doctrine and, you know, lax and slothful, whew, he's like, ooh, that was close. They almost caught on fire. But I somehow convinced them to go to bed because they're tired. I'm telling you, man, it's a constant fight daily. All right, 2 Corinthians 3 and 1. Do we begin again to commend ourselves or need we as some other epistles of commendation to you or letters of commendation from you. Ye are our epistle written of written in our hearts, known and read of all men. For as much as ye are manifestly declared to be in the to be the epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables in the heart. You know, um, this is important, too, because I think that when we get to the place of having Jesus Christ manifest in our hearts fully, man, then this word really does live in you. This word you will become instead of just reading it, you know, and that's what the Lord wants us to become is the living word. Epistles read of men, people will automatically. What happened with the apostles, uh, Peter and I think it was John? When they were caught up by the uh, Pharisees, or it was it the Romans or one of the groups, but they said when they saw them, they knew that they had been with Jesus. So in other words, something they were doing reminded these people of Jesus. And this is what we want. If we want to pray anything real, let's pray that we get forgotten about completely. And that every time they see us, they see Jesus Christ. That should be the biggest prayer in any Christian's life. Lord, let me disappear so that Christ can appear in me. Because this is, this is who does the work. This is who people will see. When you win a soul to Jesus Christ, it's not you that they're looking at. It's Christ in you. That's who's doing the work. So we may as well just, you know, let's ask him to vanish us off the scene that we may only see Christ. Because that's where the power is. Verse 4. 
For such trust have we through Christ to Godward. So you see that? Such trust have we. That Christ is going to give us those things that he talked about in 1, 2, and 3 to Godward. Headed towards God. To being more God-like, Christ-like. Yeah. Just back to your comment from earlier. I'd say uh -huh. it's, it's funny because people that would say something like that, you know, mm -hmm. that, that means that they already knew Jesus, but they just turn their back on him. Because the ones that, that don't know Jesus, they say, oh, I see it, you know, a change in you. You've changed. Mm -hmm. But they don't know why. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Exactly. No, it's true. For those who can see it, it's like, well, then you obviously were around when he was doing what he was doing. Right. What kept you from believing? I tell you, man, this is just all a process. Verse 5. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. Let's remember this because we're going to go into this. And Paul even talks about this. And um, another epistle we're going to get into, but let's not think of ourselves more than we are, but just understand that the sufficient, the, the sufficiency is in Christ. That means him giving us the power, giving us the breath to do what he calls us to do, because some of us want the Lord to take away the pain in our lives, the hurt in our lives. We want him to take away the affliction, the affirmity, the persecution, but these are the very things that help us grow. So if you ask the Lord, take away the persecution in my life for a believer, he's not going to do it. Because sufficient is what he has given you to do what is necessary. Like in other words, if you're suffering persecution or affliction, that is because he has given you what it takes to endure it. He didn't say, you know, hide the armor or dodge bullets. He said to stand there in the armor and take the blows. Okay, so this is all a part of growth is not thinking of ourselves more than we are and being grateful that, we are, that we're in these times. Because he's given us what we need. We just need to walk in it. All right, verse 6. Who also have made us able ministers. See, he made them able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. And this is why we can get revelation of the Lord Things that have never been said in this Bible, but the Holy Ghost can tell you something right here and right now. You want to be led by the Spirit because some people will read, okay, a uh, man and woman, God, God hates divorce, and he says that if a woman does this or a man does this, let them not be married, okay? Or, or um, you know, they're divorced, but she's, um, you know, committing adultery or fornication or whatever if she moves on. But, you know, what if you're in a situation, this guy's unclosed your eye, this guy's beating the heck out of you, all right, you've already went blind, he's doing all this stuff to you, and you can go before the Lord, and the Lord can tell you, this guy intends to kill you, get out of that situation and move on. Now, that's being led by the Spirit. I'm not saying the Spirit will contradict the Word. What I'm saying is, is that the, the Word is the standard. But the Spirit determines at what time we do such things, okay? Because a lot of the things that he told Paul in here, he told Paul. Things that he may tell you and I, it won't be different than the Word, but it will be something beneficial to God working on you and I. Does that make any sense? Because I'm not trying to say like, oh, well, the Spirit will just tell you forget the Word. No, the Spirit, the Word is the standard, but the Spirit determines what's what. Okay, so this is why the, the letter killeth, because 
you can go to a self-righteous Christian for someone that's in this situation and they'll say, the word of God says, well, you can go away for a few months, but you need to go back there and work it out. Now you listen to that person and get killed and the spirit told you to get out of that situation. So, you know, we just have to be able to yield to the Lord. A relationship with him is greater than anything because it's a one-to-one -one thing with the Lord. The Lord may tell you things others may not understand. Mm -hmm. Verse 7, But if the ministration of death written and engraven in stones was glorious so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses for the glory of his countenance, which glory was to be done away. Um, so a lot of people following the law, and the law has been done away. Verse 7, How shall not the ministration of the Spirit be rather glorious? For if the ministration of condemnation be glory, much more doth the ministration of righteousness exceed in glory. So what he's talking about here is, just because you read the Bible don't make you righteous. Do you know just because you do some of the things that the Bible says don't make you righteous? See, a lot of people have never come to that conclusion. I'm doing A, B, C, D, and E. What, what happened with the, um, the young rich man? Remember? I kept all these things from my youth. And the Lord said, perfect. Now, if you really want to be like I want you to be, um, well, sell everything you got and, move and come with me. And he walked away. So he wasn't righteous. He loved the appearance of being righteous. Because anyone that is righteous or wants righteousness will thirst and hunger after Jesus. That is your way in. Not trying to look good before others. Verse 10. For even that which was made glorious had no glory in, in this respect, by reason of the glory that excelleth. For if that which is done away was glorious, much more that which remaineth is glorious. Seeing then that we have um, such hope, we use great plainness of speech, and not as Moses, which uh, put a veil over his face, that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of, of that which is abolished, but their minds were blinded, for until this day remaineth the same veil uh, untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. And this is what I mean. A lot of seminary-educated people will put little notes down here at the bottom of your Bible telling you what something means. Now, you may have, they may have their understanding of what it means, and I'm not saying the Bible is of any private interpretation, but the Lord can show you something in here that you ended up connecting the dots. So we can't just rely on the minds of just men. We've got to have relationship with the Lord because we can look up, oh, this is what it means. This is the answer. But the Lord, that person probably didn't know God. They were just following the letter. But the Lord gives you deeper revelation to say, yeah, this means that. But did you recognize that Abraham was a type of God the Father? Isaac was a type of Jesus Christ? Rebecca was a type of the church? And then the nameless servant was the Holy Ghost? This is what I mean, that type of revelation. You're not going to find that written at the bottom of your Bible. But this is what the Lord will give those who are in the Spirit with him. All right, so, you know, this thing is to be done away. At one point, they had to listen to Moses. Moses went to the mountain. They couldn't go. Moses only spoke to the Lord, okay? But that veil has been lifted. It's been rent. It's been broken. For any believer that wants Jesus, 
to be with him, that veil is taken down. Yeah, Martin. What's the representation of the veil again? The veil represents pretty much that it's a separation between the carnal world and spiritual world. But see, there are two veils. One veil is breaking out of the flesh, okay? I mean, and, and, and believing Jesus Christ. Now, remember, the temple had two veils. Remember, one was from the outer court into the inner court, you know, but then you had the inner court into the most holy place. Like an example of the veil would be Second Kings chapter 2, where you had Elijah, or Elisha, he was there, um, I think, with his servant, and they were surrounded by the Syrian army. And the Syrian guy, I mean, I guess he felt, or his servant felt good having Elijah in his life, like, okay, well, master, we're in trouble because now we're surrounded. But then when um, Elisha prayed and said, Lord, open the eyes of this man, or open the eyes of my servant, that he may see that there is more of us than there are there, that would be the second veil. When you see into the spirit world, when Paul was caught up to the third heaven with the Lord, this is the opening that a carnal mind can't grasp. And this is why we may have dreams and we get little things that we see now. But man, you want all the way in. You want throne room level. You want true visitations. You want the powers of the worlds to come. So in order to get that, you've got to tear down that veil so you can have Jesus. There's two veils. One is being baptized and turning away from the world. And the Lord will begin to show you how wicked this world is. When you break through that second veil, man, you see the demons walking around. <laughs> I mean, you hear the voice of God for real. Where he's telling you, let's get this done. Right. All right? So, you know, that's the old veil of the Old Testament. They did not have the spirit. Just to answer that question. The spirit might have fallen and lifted. The spirit might have influenced and, and, you know, stay quiet. But now we've got the chance. When Jesus came was the first time that the Spirit indwelled man. The Spirit had always influenced man. But to indwell man, I mean, makes you that temple of God. What an awesome thing. Verse 15. But even unto this day when Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. So you see... This is why they followed the letter, but they were no better than they ever were. But once that veil was taken off of the heart and the spirit imparted, I can be righteous. I don't have to do righteous works. If the, righteous, the righteousness of God is in me. Does that make any sense? Oh, okay. I was confused because it, when, when Jesus died on the cross, the veil was torn. Of like the temple. They, like they physically saw it. That's mm -hmm. what it sound like. Like something mm -hmm. just got ripped. No, that second veil was ripped because there was going to be no more sacrifice, no more Day of Atonement coming in there to high priest and, and trying to get revelation from God and atonement for sins. When Jesus died, that was it. The Lord did the work permanently. His blood will be that work that does it from, from those in the past and those in the future. But from that point, man, you can have the spirit if you want. I mean, that, that's an awesome thing that he just shut it down for good. Because this is what these guys were idolizing. Verse 16. Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. Now the Lord is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Not just liberty to do the work of the Lord. Liberty to believe God. I mean, and this is why, man, in a lot of religious institutions and groups, that's one, one thing I love about here is that 
even though we all have personal relationship, we come together. But, you know, we stress everybody having a relationship with the Lord. Why? Because, man, he's who you need to hear from, not me, not Christina, not Carla, not Sarah, not Martin. We need to hear from God. Okay, so he governs what needs to be. But this is what we need because the liberty to believe. The Lord may give one of us revelation in here. But it, let's just say I'm somebody that doesn't believe and I'll tell you, no, God doesn't want that and this is what it is. We have to A, B, C, and D. There's no liberty in that. Either you come up here and you present or you can't be one of us. There's no liberty. Oh, you missed study the other day. And that's wrong. Man, ain't no liberty in that. You shouldn't feel stressed to come in fellowship. Man, we're just a body of believers. There's no lords in here. There's only one Lord. Verse 18. But we all with open face up of beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. So are we changed all at once? Or from glory to glory. The more we glorify the Lord, the more that we go through sanctification, the more we want of him, the more we will believe. Mm -hmm. Because he will dwell in us that much more. There's some things we're just not giving him. And let's be real enough to say that. But if we want to move closer, he said, if you draw nigh to me, I will draw nigh to you. But how close do you want to go? Some of us only go up so far and we're just, we're happy to see the Lord, you know. Wave at him. Call him on the phone. Man, the Lord wants to sit and talk to you like we're doing right now. The Lord wants to live in you. This is what it's all about. So we need to get closer to the Lord that glory may, may as we glorify him, that we will be bathed in his glory. All right, so Second Corinthians 4, and it says, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. So Paul is not taking it for granted. We receive this ministry. The Lord is, and this doesn't mean ministry of groups of people. This means baptizing the spirit, sent to go. We've received this ministry. And because of that, we faint not. So this is like a, a you know, your big chance. Verse two, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. So why do we go to every man, you know, um, to have our consciences, our conscience be set right in the sight of God. And this is why we don't walk in craftiness or dishonesty or handle God's word deceitfully. So as we do right for the Lord, the Lord will take care of us. Verse three, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost and whom the God of this world have blinded the minds of them which believe not. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. And this is why I said we should pray that we really get, we go on the back burner and Christ comes to the front. Because a lot of the times we're ministering, I've been guilty of this, Man, it's my flesh, all right? I may say Jesus, but people can see, man, when you've got this self-righteousness on you that you don't want to win the soul for Jesus, you want to win him for you. You want to one-up him. You want to, like, you know, see, I got, all right, I'm just going to add him to the list. That's the fifth person. 
that I talked to about Jesus today. No, we should have sincere hearts toward the Lord, winning people to Jesus and for him alone. And after, you know, because, Lord, did I do right? Lord, is this what you want? Praise the Lord that this person heard the truth and believe that. But it, it is easy to want to win people to Jesus, and then we start feeling like, all right, I'm doing God's will. We should not be proud to do his will. We should be proud to please him, okay? Because when we're proud to do his will, you know what that says? I'm doing, and someone else is not. So I know I'm busy for the kingdom. I don't know who else is. No, we should be, you know, Lord, thank the Lord somebody came to Jesus. And leave it at that. You know, it's not a thing about us. It's about him. Verse 6, for God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the, that the excellency of the power uh, may be of God and not in us. Just what we were just talking about. You know, this treasure is in us. All we're doing is birthing Jesus. Okay, that's all we're doing is bringing Jesus up out of us, nourishing him, getting him built up in us that we may disappear. That is truly where the power is. If we could just let go of ego, if we could just let go of ourselves, our lives, our fears, and our doubt, and we just believe him, and we just give it all to him, man, that's where the power will manifest. I'm telling you, man, this is where it is. And you know something? This is where I felt like I was going at one point. And I can tell, man, that, like things started falling down with me. I began trying to prove that I'm that I'm this instead of just, man, having it made with the Lord. Just letting him live, letting him work. And when you, when you really are in the spirit, you do have that rest where it's just, Lord, it's all about you. What would you have me to do today? And the Lord will show you. But when it's done, man, take no glory in self, no glory in what you're doing. Praise the Lord that he has given you people to talk to. And that's when the Lord says, okay, now that you've been humbled, I'm going to shine through you. And that's the biggest fight that we're going to have is us and God. God is trying to get up. And every time God does a work, we try pulling him down so we can get the, um, the spotlight. And we don't think that this battle is going on in us, man. Ask him to search us out and see what's there. What's blocking the flow? What's stopping the power? Because two people want to live in one body, but only one has the right to live there. Only one the temple truly belongs to. Only one is productive. The other one is scheduled for death. So as we grow Christ in us, man, we've got to give him the floor. Less of us and more of him. John the Baptist said, I must decrease so he can increase. It, I mean, don't get me wrong. It feels good to do things for the Lord. But see, when we're doing it for them and then we got our chest stuck out, man, it's not even about you. It's about him. All right. So that's where the treasure is. Verse 8. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. Why are you not distressed? Because Jesus is not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Jesus isn't in despair. Jesus is the hope of all glory and righteousness. This is nine. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. What does Ephesians 2 say? Be um, 
Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his Christ and his might. Sorry. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand the wiles of the devil. So who's taking these blows? Jesus Christ. You died a long time ago. You wouldn't be able to handle this. So if we give it to him, man, the Lord will work. Verse 10. Always hearing about in the body and dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our bodies. Here we go. Instead of trying, we need to start dying so that the Lord can live and we'll have no problems. But somehow we feel like, uh, you know, a lot of us don't want the Lord to live. Why? Because if he lives, you die. So that means you still love self. Just ask him to take it from us. He's going to do it in a way where it's not going to be burdensome. All of a sudden, you're going to lose the thirst to want to live in this life and do the things of this world. You're going to stop worrying about you. Verse 11. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake. See? That the life also in Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then, death worketh in us, but life in you. <laughs> so you see that? We, um, we having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. So, you know, if we believe, we will do. Now, see, you don't even have to like your dad. All right? You can love your dad. You can love your mom. You don't even have to like your mom or dad. But I tell you what, if someone says something about them, I mean, no one has to tell you to get bold. You automatically do it. Why? Because you love your parents. You don't like anyone talking about them that way. If Jesus Christ is our Lord and God the Father, we are the sons of God. Why aren't we speaking? Because we're ashamed of the gospel. And that's okay. Ask the Lord to remove what it is that's keeping that barrier. Man, and let's get serious with him. This is what it's about. Mm -hmm. There is nothing wrong with this because God is God. Right. And we want to be with him. You know, we know what we have to do. All right, so it says in verse 15, For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. So it's for the sake of the people. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Who is the inward man? Are we even getting a sense? What's that? Jesus. Oh, yeah. And you know what? Are we even getting a sense that the new man is Jesus? The new man can't be you. Mm -hmm. If the inward man is growing, the new man is Christ. So the old man really does die, and that is you. Interesting stuff. I guess you guys know who the old vessel, old wine vessel is too, huh? The one that breaks. Jesus Christ is the only one that can hold the wine. All right. Um, where am I? Verse 16. Oh, no, verse 17. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. So what this little affliction, he calls it light affliction. Read 2 Corinthians chapter 11, and you tell me if that was light. Oh, God. I mean, he went through a lot. 18. But light affliction when Jesus is with us. Like Absolutely. Light, you know? Exactly. That, that's a great point by Christina, because now you know why Paul was able to take those blows. It wasn't Paul taking the blows. It was Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. 
18, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. Now, how do we do this? We need spiritual eyes. We can't see this in the carnal. And then look for those things which are not seen. What would people say? Paul, you crazy? All right. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And this is why we need the mind of Christ to believe God to the point that, you know, like uh, Hebrews chapter 11 says, um, what does it say? Faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. But a lot of the times we'll go according to our circumstances. And when we go down and say we pray in faith, we really hope. You know, there's nothing wrong with hoping, but what about believing? Jesus said, if you believe and you doubt not, it shall be done unto you. When he said that you should look upon that mountain and, and say, go into the sea, Jesus wasn't kidding around. He was dead serious. If the spirit has something, if the spirit wills, he's not going to have you move mountains for nothing. But what I'm saying is, is that Jesus wasn't kidding, even a mountain. But how much do we believe? And the problem is, this veil that needs to be pulled back. But from faith to faith, glory to glory. So let's go to Matthew 14. Anyone want to add anything they can? I also just um, remember when you're asking for these things in Jesus' or in God's will. Mm -hmm. Because there's something you might ask for that really the Lord doesn't want us to have. And there's deeper meanings. That's right. He was so right. Because one thing God knows is that we can be selfish. <laughs> we start praying. It's always something we want. All right. <laughs> but, um, all right, we'll start at, let's start at verse 12, Matthew 14 and 12. And his disciples came and took up the body and buried it of John the Baptist and went and told Jesus, when Jesus heard it, he departed thence by ship into a desert place apart. And when the people had heard thereof, they followed him on foot out of the cities. You know, I used to wonder about this. Why when Jesus heard about John dying, that Jesus automatically went to a place that was um, a desert area? Because remember, John came preaching Jesus. Now that John is dead, John's ministry has been fulfilled. So now Jesus is going to put on display, hey, I'm the Messiah that they talked about. So I just think that's kind of weird how he went to a place of barrenness to get his will done. Mm -hmm. Verse um, 14, and Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them. And he healed the sick, just like he promised in Luke 4. And when it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, this is the desert place this is a desert place, and the time is now past. Send the multitude away, that they may go into uh, the villages and buy themselves victuals. So even the disciples are here stressing, this is a desert. So there's not a whole lot that we can do here. You know, you see how this is? Yeah, Martin. How did it take a ship into a desert? <laughs> I guess they parked it and then <laughs> stepped into the desert. Sounds like you took a ship in. Mm-hmm. That would be something. I mean, if that was the case, like but that ship was I. Mm -hmm. but you see how the disciples were talking about being in this desert place too. Right. So I mean, there's there's emphasis on this. Sixteen, but Jesus said unto them, They need not depart. Give ye them to eat. So of course Jesus knew 
that they didn't have any food. I think the disciples knew it was dinner time. And they said, well, let's send the people away that they may go into their villages. And how do I know this may be true? Look at verse 17. And they say unto him, we have here but five loaves and two fishes. So they were ready to send them away. They knew how much was there, and so did Jesus. Verse 18, he, uh, he said, bring them hither to me. And he commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass and took the five loaves and the two fishes. Uh, and looking up to heaven, he blessed and break and gave the loaves uh, to his disciples and the disciples to the multitude. I just noticed here that there's seven pieces of food. There's five loaves and two fishes. I mean, that's kind of interesting how that was doing. All right, um, verse uh, 20. And they did all eat and were filled, and they took up of the fragments that remained 12 baskets full. So what is 12? The number of completion. So God, oh, a government, you know? So they were able to be governed with the right amount of food, 12 baskets. So out of seven, out of perfection, comes government. Out of the perfection of the Spirit, the work of the Spirit done, there comes the government in God's number 12. Yeah. I was also going to say, and it's been mentioned before, like when he went into a desert place, the barrenness was because um, Jesus always does everything for his glory. Mm -hmm. And even when the odds are stacked again, like John, you know, his mother was barren until he was blessed, mm -hmm. until she was blessed and said that she was going to bring forth a child, not for her sake or for her, his father's sake, but that, mm -hmm. and then he was filled with the Holy Spirit from the womb. That's right. Why is that? Because God gives the increase for his glory. That's right. And I mean, you know, this barren place, Jesus was trying to get these people to believe. Mm -hmm. Can you believe that these are the guys in John 6 that walked away? This is the same group. These are the same disciples. <laughs> All right, so anyway, of uh, 12 baskets full. And they uh, that had eaten were about 5,000 men beside women and children. And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto where? The other side. Okay, so this is like a crossing over. Let's not let this get biased because it could have said, you know, to take a ship to Capernaum or to here or to there. But they're going from one side unto the other. He had just shown a miracle. Now he's taking them to the other side. You want to say something, Martin, or no? No. Oh, oh okay. All right. Um, to the other side, while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. Now, they just crossed over. Jesus went up to pray, and now Jesus is here, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit, and they cried out for fear. So Jesus is doing something that they had never seen before. Now, he had already broken bread and all that. So at this point, their mind should have been supernatural. But as they got into this ship and they crossed over to the other side, they're in the spirit now. Jesus is showing them in the physical realm, hey, guys, this is the side of 
Believe. This is the sign of all things are possible in God. He's walking on the sea and they're terrified. Now, if I broke 4,000, if I fed 4,000 in a desert, right now you should be ready. But you see, faith to faith, glory to glory. So he's walking on the sea. They cried out for fear. 27, but straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me to come thee on the water. So Peter wasn't just, you know, hey, if we just crossed over in the ship with you, and you did all this stuff, and you're walking on the sea, I want to walk on the sea too. So Peter's faith here was, hey, I'm believing that you can do this, can you let me do it? What did Jesus say? And he said, come. And when Peter was come out on the ship, out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. And when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. And he cried, saying, uh, Lord, save me. So what happened to Peter? The veil went right back around him. Why? He was focused on Jesus. He was walking on the water. His faith had increased. But yet he looked at his surroundings, he looked at the physical carnal world, and he began to believe in that again, and he began to sink. I'll tell you, so you see, you can have faith, but you see, if you let your, your outside, your surroundings dictate you and not let God be your reality, you will become stagnant. And this is why we have to grow in grace. We grow in faith. Start looking at, oh, I may get fired. Start looking at all that stuff. I'm telling you, it's going to do something to your faith. 31. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? So Jesus is saying, this could have been done, Peter. You were doing it. And when they, uh, then they, and when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. So that was only a test. The wind ceased as soon as they got back to where they were. So what does this tell us? If we start walking out on God and we start believing God, we are going to have storms. We're going to have trials. We're going to have this physical world come against you. But notice when they got back in the ship to safety, everything ceased. The enemy will try and stop you from crossing over. Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying of a truth, thou art the son of God. So what happened? Their faith increased. They recognized what Jesus had done. Not only can he break bread and feed 5,000 in the desert, man, he walked on the water, and I saw Peter do it too. See, so he was constantly teaching them what was what. Now, let's see Peter's moment of doubt. Let's go to, uh, let's go to John 18. That's why if we don't stay up under it, one experience is not enough. We've got to stay under this or we can lose it. Okay, um, we'll start at verse 20. Jesus answered him, I spake openly to the world. I never taught in a synagogue. I mean, I ever taught in a synagogue and in the temple... Uh, whither the Jews always resort, and in secret have I said nothing. Why askest thou me, 
Ask them which heard me what I have said unto them. Behold, they know what I said. And when they had thus spoken, one of the officers which stood by struck Jesus with the palm of his hand, saying, Answerest thou the high priest so? Jesus answered him, I have, If I have spoken evil, uh, bear witness of the evil, but if well, why smitest thou me? And Annas, oh, now Annas sent him bound unto Caiaphas, the high priest, and Simon Peter stood and warmed himself. They said therefore unto him, Art thou, art not thou also one of his disciples? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the servants of the high priest, uh, being his kinsman, whose ear Peter cut off, said, Did not I see thee in the garden with him? Uh, sure yeah, exactly. And then Peter denied um, immediately the cock crew. So Peter is here lying. If you cut the man's ear off, how are you going to deny you weren't there? But you see, Peter, he believed Jesus up until Jesus' persecution. And this is what we find with a lot of Christians. I do believe that people believe that, that you can do these things in Jesus. But you see, when the spot got hot, Peter was like, man, Lord is taking a beating here. I don't understand this. So what did Peter do? I don't know. Okay, because see, he was able to believe some things, but he wasn't able to deal with the affliction. So this is a part of where Peter began to wane. All right, because if my king is taking affliction, I thought as long as we walk with Jesus, we were going to go untouched. Because that's what was happening. They saw Jesus defeat the Pharisees, I mean the Sadducees. Jesus walked on water, he fed the masses. Jesus was unstoppable up to this point. And, you know, I can tell us all, if we get full of the Spirit, we're going to have these experiences where it's going to seem, man, the Lord is working. This person's winning souls, laying hands on the sick, telling the police, you know, I am a son of God and, you know, whatever. And they'll back off. But there's going to come a season where the Lord is going to say, it's time. And what does that mean? You've got to endure this affliction. Okay, so for a while, it's going to look like we're winning, winning round eight, round nine, round 10 comes around. The Lord is going to let the enemy hit on you. Why? Because you've got to be perfected in him. God's got to know the only reason you're serving me is it's not because, you know, you're wearing armor and you can't be touched. What if your armor were touched? What if the enemy, what if I did give you to the enemy? What if he had his way? Would you still believe me? In times of triumph and in time, well, I can't say failure, but in times of persecution. So Peter wasn't ready for this. So where Peter had all these things, casting out devils, following the Lord, Peter wasn't yet ready for this. Peter didn't have Jesus formed in him. So you see, Jesus was formed, taking the hits, but Peter wasn't formed. Jesus was his comforter. At this point, Peter has no comforter. The Holy Ghost has not yet been sent. All right, so he denied Jesus. I mean, there's even one other part where it says Peter was cursing and swearing. I mean, he wanted everybody to know he wasn't with Jesus. I mean, they would say, man, an apostle of the Lord don't talk like that. So he wanted to be clear that he wasn't with the Lord. All right, so let's skip down. We're going to go to Acts. We're not going to make fun of Peter. All right, it was just making a point that Peter at this point lost his faith. So let's go to Acts uh, 3. 
And I think we'll start at verse 10. Let's see. No, we'll start at verse 1, sorry. <laughs> Acts 3 and 1. And Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, uh, which called, which is called beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. So this guy homeless is asking for money, or this lame guy is asking for money. Verse 3. Whom seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple asked in alms. And Peter fasting his eyes upon him with John said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And when he took him, by the right hand and lifted him up and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength and he leaped and stood up and walked and entered with them into the temple walking and leaping and praising God and all the people saw him walking and praising God so you know this is a whole new Peter here this is a Peter of faith I mean that's pretty bold when you see someone pathetic laid out saying, oh, can you give me alms? And Peter tells them, man, look on us. Not like for, for praise, but, you know, look on us. We're about to do something in the Lord for you. All right, so uh, verse 10. And they knew that it was uh, he which uh, sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. And as the lame man which was healed, uh, held Peter and John. All the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's Great Wandering. And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, Ye men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Or why look ye so earnestly on us, as though by our own power or holiness we had made this man to walk? So it's funny how Peter says, Look on us in order to get the job done. But once the praise and worship began, Peter said, hey, wait a minute, don't make it seem like we got something to do with this. So when Peter said, look on us, Peter was led by the spirit that the Lord may do something, but it wasn't for praise. Verse 13, the God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, have glorified his son Jesus, whom ye delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate, when he was determined to let him go. But ye denied the Holy One um, and the just and desired a murderer to be granted unto you and killed the Prince of Life whom God hath raised from the dead, whereof ye are witnesses. And his name through faith in his unnamed hath made this man strong, whom ye see and know ye, and know ye the faith which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. So you see, when this work was done, Peter turned it right back over to the Lord. Hey, I've got nothing to do with this. I'm just a vessel. But you know that Jesus that you guys thought was no good? The one that you made fun of in your education system? The one that you said that he was no good and you sat there and you baptized? I mean, I baptized and you married homosexuals? 
You know that same Jesus you mock and you scoff and you say that he never, we wonder if he really existed? Well, this is the Jesus that healed this man. Okay, this is who we have faith in. So think about it. Everything we do is to glorify him because the devil is trying real hard to erase his name. So if we do anything for the Lord, man, we've got to, we got to shout from the rooftops, not us. Jesus Christ is who's done this. So again, faith to faith, glory to glory. Peter went through three different stages. Let's go to 1 Kings 18. What time is it? Nine o'clock? Wow, we're moving quick. I just knew it was like approaching ten. <laughs> the Lord's holding time up for us. Yeah. No, I almost forgot where I said to go. It's first Kings eighteen. So is there any truth about Peter being the first? No, not in the least. Well, Peter was the first. Right, he was the first to have a sermon after Jesus Christ, um, you know, gave them the Holy Ghost. He was the first to go out and preach. I will say that. But remember, when the Spirit hit them all, they all came out, you know, speaking the men in their own language. But, no, I think the closest to Jesus was Peter, uh, John, and James. But outside of that, Peter was just, I'm not going to say he was nobody because the Lord used Peter to great lengths. I'm just saying that he, um, no, he wasn't the first pope. You know, that's what they try and do. And if you look up the statue of Peter, it's none other than Zeus. So Catholic churches, they, they will say anything to get their gods out and walking around just to keep them. All right, so we're going to start in verse uh, 29. 1 Kings 18 and 29, and it says, And it came to pass when midday was past, and they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, that there was neither voice nor any to answer, nor any that regarded. And Elijah came unto all the people, come near unto me, and all the people came near unto him. Now remember, this was the time when Elijah met up with the prophets of Baal. He was there alone, and he said... You know, if my God be God, then he's going to answer by fire. If your God is God, then he's going to answer by fire. And they all agree. So this other um, prophet of Baal, or Baal didn't answer the false prophet. So now Elijah's just bringing the people near. And Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, unto whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be thy name. And with the stones he built an altar... In the name of the Lord, and he made a trench about the altar, as great as would contain two measures of seed. And he put the wood in order and cut the bullock in pieces, and laid him on the wood and said, Fill four barrels with water and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. And he said, Do it a second time. They did it a second time. And he said, Do it a third time. And they did it a third time. And the water ran round about the altar, and he filled the trench also with water. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel, and that I am thy servant, and that I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, 
Hear me that this people may know that thou art the Lord God and that thou hast turned their heart back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice at the wood and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water uh, that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their face and they said, the Lord, he is the God, the Lord, he is the God. And Elijah said unto them, now take the prophets of Baal, let not one of them escape. And they took them and Elijah both um, brought them down to the brook of Kishon and slew them. And Elijah said unto Ahab, get thee up, eat and drink, for there is a sound of the abundance of rain. Now, you remember this part that um, the rain fell because the showers had been withholding. But once the false prophets were moved, then the showers fell. That was like a type of Holy Ghost. We're going to go to uh, 19 and 1. But Ahab went home and told his wife what he had learned. So Ahab was astonished at this God that um, what, what Elijah did. So this is uh, 1 Kings 19 and 1. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and withal uh, how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. And Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to, do to me, and more also, I will make not thy life as the life is one of them uh, by tomorrow about this time. And when So she threatened Elijah, and she sent a messenger. And when he saw, when Elijah saw he arose and went for his life and came to Beersheba, um, which belongeth to Judah, and left uh, his servant there. Now, big question here. Elijah just believed God and called fire down from heaven. Why is he running from a message that Jezebel gave him? You see what happens over time if, you know, faith to faith. Now, he had the faith enough to believe that. But Jezebel was known as like a scary character, so she placed an imagination in his mind. Because that's what it says when he saw, how could you see what someone do to you unless they had you imagine it? So he imagined what Jezebel would do to him, and that overwhelmed him, and he took off running. This is Elijah. You know, he's on the run. But look at this. Look at what happens. Uh, verse 4. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat. Uh, down under a juniper tree and he requested for himself that he might die and said it is enough now O lord take away my life for i am not better than than my father's so elijah felt that he let the lord down you know he stood up to the prophets of baal he ran from jezebel and you know he's feeling like he's not worthy so this is um verse five and as he lay and slept under a juniper tree, behold, then an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was a cake bacon on the coals and a cruise of water at his head. And he did eat and drink and laid him down again. And the angel of the Lord uh, came again the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for thee. And he arose and did eat and drink and went in the strength of that meat forty days and forty nights unto Horeb, uh, the mount of God. So the Lord laid Elijah down for forty days. Elijah was fast and didn't even know it. The Lord was working on his spirit, uh, nourishing him and getting him together. 
All right, so then it says in verse 9, And he came thither unto a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek uh, my life to take it away. So Elijah's feeling like he's alone. And the Lord is about to answer his prayer, verse 11. And he said, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces rocks uh, before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, um, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the, in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice. And it was so when Elijah heard it, that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at um, in, stood in the entering in the cave or in of the cave. And behold, there camest a voice unto him and said, What doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down uh, thine altars, and slain the prophets with the sword. And I even, I only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And the Lord said unto him, Go, return on thy way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when thou comest, anoint Hazael to be king over Syria. Now, you remember after that, he appointed um, even Jehu and others um, that the Lord got them ready. So the Lord renewed Elijah. Elijah was listening. He looked to the wind. He didn't see the Lord. The fire, the earthquake came. He didn't see the Lord. You know what I gather from this? And I could be wrong, but the Lord was trying to tell him, go, because the Lord is in you. The Spirit is upon you to do the will. He's not in the rocks. He's not in the wind. But this is your symbol. I've got you ready. Now it's time to do what is necessary. And then he told Elijah that he is not alone, that there are 7,000 men that he's got in reserve that have not uh, bowed the knee to Baal. Mm -hmm. So when we're out there preaching, I mean, we're going to have these moments of doubt. But this is why we fast and we pray and we get the Lord to recharge our batteries. But when the Lord set Elijah up, I don't know if we got time to go there, but if you guys go to 1 Kings, I believe it's 22. We did a, a teaching on this. Yeah, it's it's 2 Kings 1, 1 through 10. But Elijah is sitting on this hill, and he's just, you know, waiting. And remember, the, the king sent for him, and um, they said, oh, the king wants to see you. And Elijah said, if I be the son, if I be a man of God, let fire fall down from heaven. And fire came down and killed 50, 150 men right there on the spot. Or 50 men, I think. 50 of his men. So um, the king sent another guy to go up and talk. And he said, you know, the king wants to see you. And he said, if I be a man of God, let fire fall down from heaven. So this was a bold Elijah that um, the same thing happened. So the third time, a man came up to him and said, sir, I was forced to come by my king can you please come in and like, you know, talk to us or whatever, or, or meet with the king. But because that man apologized and was humble, the Lord told Elijah, 
Elijah, go with him and see what the king wants. But, you know, it was that, that respect due to God that God wasn't going to stand for. So this guy, you know, was scared, frightened for his life. You know, please, you know, I don't want to do this. You know, if you can do it. Lord say, Elijah, that's enough. You know, all right, we got needed what we needed to happen. But Elijah was built over in the Lord. I mean, this is what I'm saying. So we're going to have our moments, but faith to faith. He believed in the fire falling, but he ran from Jezebel. That makes no sense. It makes plenty of sense if we're not fully built up where we need to be. Even though he performed the miracle, Elijah feared for his life. And this is what the Lord is trying to take us from. Die out to self and let God work. That second time around, Elijah didn't care who was there. They were worried about him because they knew that he was a true man of God. This is awesome stuff. Let's go to uh, 2 uh, Corinthians chapter 12. Man, when God walks in you, when Jesus Christ walks in you, if anybody comes against you, they come against Jesus. And believe me, the fear of God will come upon men if God has a purpose for you. If we got him, man, what do we look like being afraid of this world? This world is carnally minded. This world is natural minded. This world is selfish. This world has no faith. That ought to tell us right there that they can be taken by the people of God. That's right. No president, the hope of God. It's the church of God that's the hope. This is who Jesus wants. All right, 2 Corinthians 12, we'll start at verse 1, and it says, uh, It is not expedient for me, doubtless to glory. I will come to, um, to visions and revelations of the Lord. I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago, whether in the body I cannot tell, or whether out of the body I cannot tell. God knoweth such an one caught up to the third heaven. So Paul is speaking of himself, but notice he said, in the body or out of the body, I really can't tell. So what happened to Paul? This physical world disappeared. He couldn't tell the physical world from the spiritual. That's how real the spiritual became. That he couldn't tell if he was dreaming or not. Like he is in the spirit. This became real. So he can't even tell, man, when this happened. Well, he knew it wasn't a dream, but he didn't know if he was out of the body or in the body. Man, when you walk in the spirit, there are people in the occult world that do have some abilities like these. They call them two-headed women. But they are witchcraft-working witches that can see the spirit realm as well as the physical world. See, so the devil will give his people power. But see, we need to seek this from the Lord. Caught up to the third heaven. Can you imagine? Henry Groover said the Lord gave him a tour of the sky. <laughs> what he was going through. He said he saw the stars and everything was big. You know, the Lord took him through because he asked for it. Verse 4. How that he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words, which it is not lawful for a man to utter. Can you imagine the Lord sharing something with you that it ain't even lawful for men to hear? That means he was opened up into the spiritual. The Lord was revealing secrets that it's not meant for anybody to know on this side of things. But Paul was the exception because Paul was in the spirit with God. That's right. This is what you want. Verse 5. Of such an one will I glory, yet myself I will not glory, 
but in my infirmities. So I'm not glorying over this vision that I received. I'm glorying in what I'm suffering for Jesus Christ, for his infirmities. For though I would uh, desire to glory, I shall not be a fool. For I will say the truth, but now I forbear, I forbear lest any man uh, should uh, think of me about that which he, which he seeth me to be or that which he heareth me. So again, what Paul was telling people that, you know, don't look to me. The same thing Peter said, don't look to me, look to the Lord. Yeah, you, I got this vision and I'm telling you guys about it. But don't think that I'm any more special than anyone else. He said, I am not a fool. I will not glory in me. The glory is to the Lord. Verse 7, And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. So the devil, I'm not going to say the Lord allowed it, but the devil put a thorn in Paul's flesh, not a physical thorn, but this thorn, I believe from, you know, looking it up and researching, it was more of like Paul, like infirmities are kind of like afflictions or like sickness or weakness. But it was also his trials and being attacked in tribulation. So every time Paul would start to think of, oh, I conquered this, you know, I was stoned and now I'm on my feet. Well, now, Paul, you're about to be shipwrecked. So the devil had one of his messengers constantly afflicting Paul, constantly on his case, constantly doing things to him to keep Paul back on earth. And this is what purges the church. When we go through affliction and we have hard things, it gives you more faith, but it keeps you grounded. I'm telling you, if you don't have these trials and you don't go through these stumbling blocks, all it's going to do, you're going to get puffed up with pride. Yeah, I conquered another one because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm one of the Lord's anointed. Yeah, if you're one of his anointed, did you know every anointed one is going to be beheaded tonight? Do you know that they're all going to be up in prison? Oh, you didn't know that there's going to be a sickness to come upon all the people of God where you will barely be able to breathe. This is what happened to um, Henry Groover. Remember his testimony? Every time he went out to do the will of the Lord, he said, man, he had this sickness in his chest. You were there that night. But he had this sickness in his chest. He couldn't breathe. It was like a burning sensation. And he said it was awful. But when he would go and do the will of the Lord, it would start to go away. But once he went back into himself, it was like the spirit came right back on him. So, you know, the devil will send one of his messengers to be a thorn in your flesh to keep you grounded. Why? Because we got a thing for getting puffed up in pride. Mm -hmm. All right, verse 8. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, now this is Jesus. He asked the Lord three times, take this away from me. You know how you know that this is the affliction, this thorn? Jesus asked three times in the Garden of Gethsemane, Lord, let this cup pass from me. And the Father didn't even answer him. Because the Father said, no, you're going to go through this. This is what we have to do. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he's now asking Jesus to let this depart from him. And he said unto him, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Now, remember what we read in Romans about being sufficient. What the Lord gives us, we will be able to endure. He will never put you through something that you can't handle. The fact that he's given you the strength to have tears, the fact that he's given you the strength to be afflicted, to be insulted, 
to lose these things of this life that we find special, that is all you need to go forward with Jesus. If you're asking to be let up, he's not going to do it. Most gladly, therefore, will I will I rather glory in my infirmity, see, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. So this is what we want. We want the power of Christ to rest on us. Well, God is only going to strengthen the weak. If you're not going through nothing, don't expect anything. But this is what it's about. Why should I help you? And I've given you the spirit. You can endure. Why? Because I live in you. Faith to faith, glory to glory. Yep, you got to say Yeah, our like, pain that we um, endure during suffering is just like if we worked out. You know, we exercise and we break down our muscles to mm -hmm. be filled back up and grow stronger. That's right. That's what the Lord's doing That's right. spiritually. That's another example. It's true that you will become tough in the Lord, but, you know, it's Jesus Christ formed in, and that's what affliction does. That's why, man, in some ways, I can't wait for this to tip off. Lord, please don't let me speak in my flesh, because I know it's only you that's going to take us through this. But the thing is, is, man, you know how much you're going to lean on Jesus when your world starts falling apart? And that's when he can fully be formed in you, because you're going to be afraid to go outside without Jesus. You're going to be afraid to do laundry, because somehow the devil may have, you know, splashed a little detergent in your eyes and you go blind. There's going to be so much that you're going to be worried about. But this is what the Lord needs. Obedience to the Spirit that he may do what he needs to. That's right. This is what we're not giving him. This is why the power is not resting on us. We haven't given him enough. He's calling for more. He's glad you can speak in tongues. He's glad you pray. He's glad you talk to one person a day. But he wants more glory. And in order to get more glory, you need more faith. And that's what's, that's what's missing. So unless we go through these afflictions and we go through these battles, we can't believe God. What did David say? You can't beat this man. He is a man of war from his youth. You know, David would have brought it to today's terms. David would have said, hey, man, let me, let me tell you something. I faced a lion and a bear, okay? And I smote him and slew him and did whatever and delivered the lamb out of his mouth. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Where is that fight in us? We've got to go through just to be what God wants us to be. Let's not run from it. Let's embrace it. Because that is the only way, reason that Christ came here. We read in Luke 4, to set the captives free, to deliver them that are bruised, those that are in prison, to bind the broken heart. If we don't have an understanding of what this war is, how can we serve him? How do we know that there's a, that there's a real need in the world for Jesus? But if we see the tribulation and we go through the danger and we see the broken hearts, then there's this earnest, there's this anguish to go out and want to do it. But as long as we're comfortable here in ourselves, we can't believe God. It's unfortunate, but that is the way that it is. And thank God for it, because you know what we'd be without him? A bunch of cowardly hypocrites saying nothing but good things. But then when trouble comes, God would have no army. We would all turn tail and run because we don't know what it is to go through. The, you know, the Hebrew boys, they were released in the, in the furnace. They weren't released out of the furnace. They were bound. Mm -hmm. But who was in that furnace with them? The Son of God. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and then I'm going to turn it over to Carla.
it's, and it's uh, interesting uh, about our trials because the Lord, like you said, He knows what we're capable of. That's right. He knows what we can go through, even though we don't. But He knows because we set, we put boundaries on ourselves mm-hmm. of what we can go through. That's right. As a kid, we're told, "Well, you can do this and you can't do that." And oh, when yeah. we get, and not to say that that's wrong or anything, but we have that doubt. Mm-hmm. in ourself like well I've always been this way and I can't do this and I can't do that and that's why truth be told we can't but in Jesus Christ we can and that's what he was trying to tell the children of Israel when they came back with that report he's saying man go in and take the land mm-hmm. first off he didn't say to send 12 spies right. see that was somebody else's plan alright go and see the land he said go and get the land so perhaps if they would have gone in and they would have saw the giants they might have been so afraid, but they would have had no choice but to fight, is what I'm saying. That's how you teach kids how to swim the best way, throw them in the water. Mm-hmm. Now, some people would say that's crazy, but it's true. You throw, you start getting a little feet in and all that, and child, you know, you're, you're afraid. Just, you know, <laughs> kick them in the water. Why? Because while they're trying to swim, they'll eventually start to lose the fear. I'm not saying, you don't think I'm going to say this to something. No, it's, be right there to, you know, help them with Exactly. Throw him in the water. But eventually you lose the fear, you know? So but see when they didn't believe God, what did he say? How long will this wicked and perverse generate I mean how long will this evil generation will I be with them? They murmured against God. They didn't believe God. That was it for him. He said, you know what, man? Turn around and walk in the wilderness. I can't get my work done through them. I'm going to raise a generation. And he's looking for that generation now. And I believe that generation is here. Why? Because we're not sewn into just church. We're not just sewn into religious antics. You got people wanting to be baptized in the Holy Ghost for real. Wanting to know the Lord for real. This is the generation he's looking for. Why? Because others are bound in things. Jesus, when he needed to ride the colt, he said, loose the colt that he can ride it. How can, the God, how can God ride us if we're bound in religion? You can't be bound to anything but Jesus Christ. Freedom in the spirit. All right, 1 Corinthians 9 and 1, and it says, Am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Have I not seen Jesus Christ our Lord? Or not ye my work in the Lord. If I be not an apostle unto others, uh, yet doubtless I am to you. For the seal of mine apostleship are ye in the Lord. So he's saying, man, am I not an apostle? In other words, my work has been proven through you. Okay, you know that the Lord lives in me because I've apostled you. I'm showing you what you need. You guys have seen the miracles. You've seen the work. You've been delivered. The Lord has brought more into your life with with me being there. So he's saying, you know, that's the evidence. Verse 3, my answer to them that do examine me is this. Have we not power to eat and to drink? Have we not power to lead about a sister, a wife, as well as other apostles? And as the brethren of the Lord... um, and Cephas. So in other words, have we not been given authority to do these things? You guys are seeing it. We're winning souls. We're doing the will. So he's saying, you know, 
Have we not the authority to do these things? To convert a wife or, you know, or others or a sister or whomever? Verse 6. Or I only, as Barnabas, uh, have have not a we power to forbear working. Um, who goeth a warfare uh, any time at his own charges, who planteth a vineyard, who eateth not of the fruit thereof, or who feedeth the flock, or eateth not of the milk of the flock. So Paul is saying, this is what we guys are doing. You know, we've been given authority. This is what we're bringing in. Verse 8, say I these things as a man, or saith not the law uh, the same also. For it is written in the law of Moses, thou shalt not muzzle the mouth of the ox that treadeth uh, out the corn. Uh, doth God take care for oxen? Or saith he it altogether for our sakes, for our sakes, no doubt, this is written that he that ploweth should plow in hope and that he that thresheth in hope should be partaker of his hope. So Paul is talking about salvation here. If you work for the kingdom of God, why wouldn't you be um, worthy of the kingdom of God or worthy of the rewards? If you're going to do these things, you know, for the Lord, then, you know, <laughs> wouldn't he who feeds the ox be fed? Wouldn't he who, who does things in hope or threshes, which is like bring in the corn, bring in the harvest, help to save souls? Wouldn't they be worthy of this? So this is all he's saying. All right, um, verse 11. If we have sown into uh, you spiritual things, it is a great thing if we shall reap. Is it a great thing if uh, we shall reap your carnal things? So in other words, if I'm sowing spiritual things, what gain are carnal things to me? You're going to pay me for doing the will of the Lord? <laughs> I mean, like, if if, I'm, if it's spiritual, then what you get is spiritual. What you want is God's increase. You don't want to be paid for this. You want to do what he wants. Verse 12, if others be partakers of this power over you, are not we rather? Nevertheless, we have not used this power, but suffer all things, lest we should hinder the gospel of Christ. So Paul is saying in all that they do, if you let these people who are... um taking carnal things from you, if you give them power, shouldn't we have more power since we're helping to instill the spiritual things that are in you and not for gain? He said, but we don't want that. We want to suffer all things lest we should hinder the gospel of Christ. So what is Paul again? Happy about his infirmities, happy about the affliction, happy that he gets to labor, that people might be one. That is its own reward. But unless we can get to that place, we can't see this. We've got to forget self in increasing Jesus. Verse 13, do ye not know that they which minister about holy things live in the things of the temple and they which wait at the altar are partakers with the altar? Even so hath the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should live of the gospel. But uh, I have once, um, no, uh, but I have used none of these things, neither have I written these things, that it should be so done unto me. For it were better for me to die than that any man should make my glorying void. So he's saying, man, it's better for me to go than for me to receive glory. Paul is talking about doing God's will. P.
period, 17. For if I do this uh, thing willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will, a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me. So you see, you got to do it willingly. You don't do it for gain. You don't do it for worldly, carnal stuff. Even doing it for your own glory is like carnal things. It might even be worse because you're trying to take it from the Lord. You know, so let's just finish up because I can feel the spirit leaving me. That's why I'm like tripping up with a lot right now. Like it's just um, 18. What is my reward then? Verily that when I preach the gospel, I may make the gospel of Christ without charge that I abuse not my power of the gospel. For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself a servant unto all that I might gain the more. So when he says he's free of all men, he's not bound by any man or any institution or any government. I can roam as I please. But even with that, because I have the liberty of the spirit, I am servant to all men. That's what's so much better about obeying the spirit is that you can just go. You're not in anyone's way. You're not trying to be bound up. You can roam freely and do the will of the Lord. There's nothing wrong with fellowship. There's nothing wrong with our batteries being recharged, iron sharpening iron, us learning from one another, reproving and correcting one another when we're wrong. But the freedom to go, and you've got God's stamp of approval on it. You ain't got to answer to a man, how long have you studied before you decide to teach? They pulled that on Jesus, and you saw what he told them. <laughs> All right, so um, verse 20. I think that's where I am. Yeah. Verse 20. And unto the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews, to them that are under the law as under the law that I might gain them that are under the law, uh, to them that are without law as without law, being not without law to God, but under the law to Christ, that I might gain them that are without law. So you see, he's becoming what, and he's not being a hypocrite. Basically, you know, if you're going to talk to uneducated people, you're going to speak to them in a simple voice. You know, if you want to speak to the Pharisees, you got to somewhat speak their language. It doesn't mean deny the gospel, but only the Holy Ghost can make you all things to all men. That's why, you know, if we are like the old bottle that receives a new wine, you see why you break? Because you won't bend. The Lord may be trying to get you to see it this way, but you, oh, no, no, Lord. I read Matthew 4 that that cannot be done. So what did you do? You just disobeyed the spirit. The spirit says, yeah, I know what the letter says, but I need you to go here tonight. What if the Lord, I mean, imagine you waking up one night and the spirit telling you, I need you to go to the whorehouse. Now, see, some people would say that wasn't from the spirit. That was from the devil. No, the spirit wants you there to win souls. And I'm not saying go there and partake, but if the spirit comes there, you're going to come in power. You're going to come, ladies, get down from that stage dancing, and you bouncers better not touch me. I'm here to set a captive free. That's right. Now, when you come in the spirit like that, and you start laying hands and, and, you know, helping people, that's a different experience. But see, if the spirit tells you to do that and you don't, you can't bend because you're too self-righteous. You're too complete in self. So this is why the Lord wants us to be able to bend. All right. And, of course, he wouldn't send you there if you're struggling with sex and sin and everything else. He's going to send you there complete. 
you know, I'm going to send you there like, you know. All right, so um, let's go to verse uh, 22. To the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men, that I might, but I might by all means save some. Now notice he said he has made all things to all men. That's the power of the Holy Ghost. That is Jesus Christ formed in us, that he can ebb and flow, adjust to all circumstances. And don't try to do this because you're going to mess up. Be led by the Spirit to do it. Wait on the words of the Lord. You try and do this to self, all you're going to be is a hypocrite. Mm -hmm. Verse 23, And this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be partaker thereof with you. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize, so run that ye may obtain. So he's saying, man, all run in a race, but what prize? The prize goes to those who overcome. 25, And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Uh, that they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. So you got people in this world running races. Their races run in all people, but their race only leads to college degree, $300,000 a year. You're going to still burn up with that stuff, buddy. You want the incorruptible crown. You want the one when God crowns you, it's not going to be you're on top of the, the, the uh, company for five years and then you get bumped off by some up-and-coming guy. When you have earned that crown in Jesus Christ, you get to wear that crown through all eternity. As, as what the Lord has given you, no one can take that away. 26, I therefore so run, not as uncertainty, um, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. So he's saying, you know, I'm running for a purpose. And again, this is why we need the faith, to glorify the Lord, because the Lord is going to have us running things that he wants us to run. Running in vain is kind of like coming up with your own idea about how you want to serve the Lord. And if he didn't tell you to do it, you're wasting your time. That's why he says he's running as one that beateth against the wind. Like, in other words, you're just fighting air, but nothing's happening. You're not gaining. Now, of course, you stay humble and the Lord will exalt you. But the point is, is you want to be on task for the Lord. You don't want to do all of something for absolutely nothing. Mm -hmm. 27, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. So some people will wonder, is this possible? Absolutely. And this is why we've got to stop playing with God. If God wants us to do something, let's do what he has asked us to do. Why? Because you can think you're in the whole time and be out. If you want to be slothful, if you want to hypocrite around, you want to play games, you want to do things, God will use your gifts. He gave them to you. But see, in the end, if you're not made whole in him, he's got no place for you, man. You're not holy. Yeah, you help bring others into the kingdom, but you yourself have not been sanctified. So you can't be here. You can be a castaway. So that's something we don't want to fool around with. We want the Lord to use us and know that he's using us, that we may grow. And the only way to do it is we've got to forget self, man. We've got to stay up under this body, too, because this is what causes our faith to waver. We start feeding on the world and you become like the world. And why you don't want to open your mouth is one life type will not betray his own. 
okay? If you feed on the world, believe it or not, there's a part of you that feels that you are in the world. And, and, and this is why we don't open our mouths. But if we're fully sanctified or given over to the Lord, if we have denied this world and given it all to Christ, you got no problem opening your mouth. Why? Because you don't care about you. But the reason why we get this thing in the gut where I want to say something, but I can't, because there's a part of you that feels like you're betraying your own. There's a part of you that knows that you're not fully giving it over to Jesus. And this is the part where Jesus is wanting to go forward in you, but there's a part of you that's still hooked into the world. And in order for us to go from faith to faith, glory to glory, we've got to give it to him, die out to self, and man, let's get this ball rolling. Let's get this party started. You've seen what this world has to offer. The rich man and the poor man are no different. They both get sick. They both get broken hearts. They both have people betray them. They both are going to die. But it's all about who believes in Jesus Christ is what's going to make life worth living. We think that this is worth living. And there's nothing wrong with having things. But we think that this is it. And as long as we believe that this is the world, we can't go into the world of God. We can't be in the kingdom or a part of it. Because God has nothing to do with this world. And this is something I'm struggling with in myself. But as long as we know it, as long as it's been revealed, we have the chance to do what's right and know what to ask the Lord for. And that to me is a beautiful thing because that is God's grace that won't let us be slothful in this time or won't let us fall asleep. That, that, alarm, keep, that alarm keeps going off, waking you up, keeping you going. Yes, you know, you're in, but come on, keep striving. Stay with me because this race isn't over until we kiss this earth goodbye. Right. But we've got to know that we're in. And the only way to do it is give it all to Jesus. All right, so from here, I'm going to give it over to my brother Carlin or Sarah, whoever's going first. And, uh, Everything. <laughs> All right, let's go to Hebrews 10, going to a couple of places, but the gist of where we're going to be reading from is Hebrews 10. Alright, Hebrews 10 and verse 32. But call to remembrance the former days in which after ye were illuminated or enlightened, ye endured a great fight of afflictions. So, this actually kind of goes along with what was being said tonight about, you know, we when Jesus Christ changes our lives and the Holy Spirit comes upon us, it's like our, 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 our eyes are opened and then we go through the fight of affliction when we go out and we try and talk to others about Jesus Christ. Verse 33. Partly whilst ye be made a gazing stock by, um, excuse me, a gazing stock 
both by reproachers and afflictions, and partly was ye become companions of them that were so used. So it's saying here that you know we're going to be made fun of by the repro reproachers and um, you know by our afflictions, but then those who are going through it as well, we will be their companions. So you know we're going to encounter other people that are also going through that affliction and we're going to get to know them and we're going to get made stronger in our faith. All right, verse 34. For ye had compassion of me in my bonds and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourself that ye have in heaven a better and enduring substance. All right, hold where you are and let's go to 2 Timothy um, 1. One, verse 16. Alright, right, 2 Timothy, we're in Hebrews 10, but we're also in 2 Timothy All right. 1, verse 16. Okay. The Lord give mercy unto the house of um, honest for us. For he oft refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. But when he was in Rome, he sought me out very diligently and found me. The Lord grant unto him that he may find mercy of the Lord in that day, and in how many things he ministered unto me at Ephesus, knowing uh, that no Ephesus thou knowest very well. So what's saying here as well is that this one individual didn't worry. He didn't care that Paul was in bonds. And that did not, you know, um, that didn't frighten him or anything like that. And that he, you know, spoke to him and he refreshed him and he, you know, he helped him in his time. But he also sought him out. And because he knew that Paul knew the truth. He knew that Paul knew the truth in Jesus Christ. And so... He wasn't afraid of being persecuted or anything like that. And that has to really mean something to us as well, is that if we are in the fellowship and in the body of Christ, that no matter what's going on around us, that we're going to, you know, encourage one another. If there's if somebody's going through something and, you know, the Lord's going to give us what we need to say to that person, but we have to seek the Lord on what to say because it's not always about, you know, the lovey, gushy, ushy, encouraging messages, sometimes we may have to rebuke somebody, not the person, but the spirit that's in somebody. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes, you know, and that, that might sound a little crazy to some people because, like, you know, maybe they think that's harsh, but no, I mean, what did Jesus Christ do a lot of the times with people? It's like, I rebuke you. Or the disciples, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus because they were of the wrong spirit. But they did it out of the love of Jesus Christ for that person. Mm -hmm. Alright, let's go to Matthew 5 uh, and 10. You still in Hebrews? Or no? Yeah, yeah, okay. that's the, the main where we were okay. reading. Matthew 5 and 10. <clears throat> Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are we, are ye, when men shall revile you and persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. 
for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. So it's saying here that if men persecute you, man, you know, don't take it don't take it personal because this is just our relationship with the Lord getting closer and closer. And he says that this is going to happen to us. Mm-hmm. Why? Because we want to tell people about Jesus Christ. Why? Because the world hates Jesus Christ. Why? Because Satan doesn't want anyone to know about Jesus Christ. So these things are going to happen to us. And we, you know, we, we got to keep going forward knowing that, you know, like it's being said, that the Lord will be with us. But we got to step out on that faith. We really mm-hmm. do. All right, and so now we can go back to um, Hebrews, and we're going to look at verse 35. Look at 2, man, it just keeps going. It says, like, you got to be the salt of the earth, and then it says, like, we're, we're like a city that's on mm-hmm. top of a can hill. You know? hit, like, yeah. Exactly. Hit, we got to be out there. Right, and if, our, if, the, if we have the light of Jesus Christ in us, that, you know, you can't hide it. Like I said, it can't not be hid under a bushel. So if we have that light in us, if we truly have the light of Jesus Christ in us, it's going to burst out, Mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. All right, so verse 35. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath greater recompense of reward. So if we're going forward in the Lord and we get pressed and the devil presses us, we can't get rid of that confidence just because we're being pressed upon. Mm -hmm. Verse 36. For we have need of patience that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the um, receive the promise. So we've got to do the will of God first. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. If any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. So there is going to be people that run this race with us that are not going to just, they're going to want to stop after a certain time, but we've got to keep going forward. And that's why salvation, it really has to be known unto us that it's an individually based affair with Jesus mm-hmm. Christ. Because if we don't realize that, then when someone else loses their faith, we'll lose our faith. Mm-hmm. So we've got to look to Jesus Christ for everything. It's true. That's what I have. That's awesome, because, uh, you know, I was going to say earlier, everybody's not crossing that Jordan River. Right. You know, there's uh, there was only a few that believed that went to the other side. I'm glad you actually presented that, because I had it on my list, but I'm glad I didn't go there. <laughs> that was cool. <laughs> All right, I'm going to have us go to Second Peter, and we'll go one. Second Peter one. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Um, Simon Peter, servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. So, I don't know, I just want to kind of stop here just because 
just like a little bit of something that just happened to me and everything that we've been talking about today. Mm-hmm. So it says right here, just um, according to his divine power, which is, I mean, pretty much um, our salvation. And um, mm-hmm. it just says, hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. So I was talking to someone that, I don't know, their their wife is like a pastor or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't know, that's <laughs> probably not even relevant to my story. I just had to start it off with that. So anyways, we were just talking and his friend has is going through a divorce and they, the him and his wife took in the, the widow, the now widow. Mm-hmm. And um, he helped the husband kind of move, you know. And then, um, so he's just talking to me like he's pretty drained. This dude sounds pretty worldly, you know. And he's mm-hmm. just like, he's just had it, you know. Like his patience level's there. Right. And with what I went through recently with, you know, losing my dog, like I could totally feel him, you know. Like I was at the same place, like, but I knew that I had to push past it because that's exactly where the devil wanted me, you know. Mm-hmm. So, basically, he's just kind of talking to me, and then, like, I don't know, I've never really heard him curse before, you know, and then, like, he just, like, said that, and then he was like, I think uh, God will allow me to say this, you know, um, say this because of, you know, basically what essentially he just did, you Mm -hmm. know, and then it's hard because, I don't know, I basically just bit my tongue, you know, because... I wanted to just give him grace, I guess, you know, like, I understand, like, he's just went through, like, a rough time, and it's, like, I could just, like, hit him with scripture, be like, no, no, like it says in the Bible, like, Mm -hmm. we don't need to be swearing, like, it really says that, you know, but, (laughs) 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 I mean, that's, you know, that's where I'm at with it, but, uh, I mean, I just kind of chose to just... I don't know, I guess be gracious and hear him out instead, you know, and like, I didn't necessarily agree with this statement, you know, but like, me not saying something, you know, you know, almost, I guess, like, it could be me just conforming, you know, just like, okay, you know, but, um, I don't know, I just like want to encourage people just to like, understand that the Bible is like, it's written, you know, it's like, it's, it's his words, you know, it's what he wants. Like, he's not a respecter of person. So just like, cause what he did doesn't give you the grace to, I mean, we have grace through our sins, but it's like sins that, you know, we're not like actively going against him. You know, it's like, maybe we didn't step out and correct that person. You know, I feel like that's more what we should be saving our grace tank for, you Mm -hmm. know, like, but I don't know. I just had to, but I think you feeling what was in his heart or what he was dealing with, it was kind of like you were looking to tackle a bigger issue mm-hmm. instead of just mm-hmm. <laughs> just getting on it right there at that moment. <laughs> about, the, about it. <laughs> but, um, so it says, Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the crush, corruption that is in the world through lust. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue, knowledge, and to knowledge, temperance, and to temperance, patience, and to patience, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. So, I mean, this growing in fruit in Christ, this is like basically just like a little template, you know, Mm -hmm. like, I mean, of course it's like, 
it's easier just to read this and be like, bam, 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 like, this is it, you know? Mm -hmm. But, um, I mean, realistically, it is, you know, but mm -hmm. it's just a step-by-step, -step, like, what you need to do. And I hope just in that, that moment, you know, I was kind of trying to exercise, like, I guess, gentleness, you know, like a little temperance and, like, just hear them out, you know? And, right. But then it's funny because we're talking about, like, uh, stepping out into faith and um, just kind of preaching to people, you know? And that gut feeling you feel in your stomach. So this was the next day. Um, me and a couple that I love talking to the Lord about, like, it's, I mean, they they get it. They're, like, spirit-filled, and every single time they come in, we get a boost. So mm -hmm. we went outside, and um, we're kind of just talking for a little while, and this, like, random guy just kind of pulled up in this car and was, like, um, talking to my, my buddy and was like, hey, you got a dent in your car. He's like, yeah, so what, you know? And then he basically just starts going through this, his business, you know, thing or whatever or maybe he just had a good heart and wanted to you know lend a hand you know so mm -hmm. he's like um how long has it been there like uh i run this business i can get rid of it you know and then he's like yeah we're not too worried about it you know and then he just kind of came out of his car and like showed like his instrument and like in inside my gut i could just hear i just heard um i need you to minister to this or i need you to you know uh share something along that line like i need you to minister to this man or something like that you know and I was just sitting there like I wasn't sure you know if it was just like me but like I I looked at both of them real quick just to like see if I could you know we were all on the same level and like maybe on one mind and all thinking the same thing mm -hmm. but um and then he's just like um do you have 40 minutes and then he's just like uh not really you know I don't have 40 minutes and so basically we just kind of said our goodbyes in that time you know and like I just like stared into his eyes you know and I was like I was like, bless you, you know, like, have a great day, but, I mean, I just hope in that moment, you know, at least I sh shed a little light to him, but it's like, in those moments, we really need to push forwards, and like, who cares if it was even me, you know, like, who knows, like, maybe he was a believer, too, and could have just, like, you know what, let me just do this for you guys, or, like, we would have had a very fruitful conversation, mm -hmm. or even better, maybe he didn't know the Lord, you know, and I could have just shared that with him, you right. know, but realistically, when we hear that voice, whether, whether it's us, whether it's the spirit, you know, why not just shed a little light of Christ, you know, that's like, right. I mean, or just speak to somebody about him, you know, who knows, you know, that's right. but, um, all right, and then I also feel like, too, like, that would have been, like, brotherly kindness you know that would have been me like loving my neighbor you know like really just telling him, yeah doing what he told you exactly yeah. so i don't know um but so you have to say something about what you guys said well i was just gonna ask him you know because he's like i need you to you know minister or whatever like i probably would have just asked him like to start off like hey man like are you a believer like do you know the lord you know like anything along mm -hmm. that like I'm starting to understand, like, I mean, I'm pretty personable, you know, and, like, I always have been, and I can just relate to people, and I think that's a gift that the Lord is giving me, and He's showing me, like, it, I don't need to have, like, a, a method to, like, you know, put it out there, you know, you can just... Ebb and flow. Exactly. The spirit, as the Spirit wills, you know, mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. and that's, sometimes you go through those opportunities, and they're realizing, I wish I would have said this or that, or, you mm -hmm. know, it's like, you guys talking about dance, you know, it could have been like, hey... <laughs> 
Well, it's funny because later I shared with a couple. I was like, "Did you guys feel like we should have ministered to them or something?" You know, and we all thought about it for a second. And her name's Rayleigh, but she was like, "We should have been like, do you have forty minutes?" <laughs> just, just flipped it. It's just... funny that it was actually the number forty. <laughs> that would have been the transformation. Yeah. Man. And sometimes don't let the enemy dictate you. If the Lord told you to speak, don't even ask about the time. Just say, hey, I want to talk to you about something. Because Henry Groover talked about a story of um, that he went into a Buddhist temple, remember? Yeah. And, and he asked the guy, I think, for 10 minutes. Well, the guy said 12 minutes. Henry Groover said, uh, can I talk to you for 12 minutes? Do you have it? And uh, the head of the monastery said, sure. He said it turned into an hour and 20 minutes. I said, if you notice, the 12 was still there. Yeah. You know, an hour and 20 minutes he talked to the guy. Like, <laughs> the spirit probably would have just like blanked their minds on time, mm -hmm. and they would have been caught up in what he was saying. So, yeah. And it does. It, it does seem like when you're really sharing it with the Lord, it's like he does. He like boop, puts the pause button on, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. for a second. Mm -hmm. It slows down. Yep. It does. So... So, with these things, I'm just going to jump back. And the knowledge, temperance, and the temperance, patience, and the patience, godliness, and the godliness, brotherly kindness, and the brotherly kindness, charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall not neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. So, I mean, it's just, you know. I love it. And it's almost too, like, when Christina talking about, like, and Martin, like, talking about, like, I mean, our building our spirit is, like, workout you know like mm -hmm. you gotta be diligent like you mm -hmm. can't take time off of the gym and expect mm -hmm. to make gains right. you can't take time off with your relationship with the lord and expect to make gains mm -hmm. like it just it doesn't work that way we yeah. always want so much more of god but forget that's a relationship and he wants more of us mm -hmm. you know and that's that putting that work in exactly building. and it's true and it's remembering that like i don't know like i think it, even even certain things you can let it slip or whatever you know but remembering that your relationship with jesus christ is real so it's like mm -hmm. when we don't move it's like how do we just like not listen to the savior of the world you That's know true. like it's it's well, weird just imagine he's just sitting there looking at you <laughs> yeah. while you're watching tv i mean if it when it becomes that weird exactly when it becomes that real to us it's like man he's looking at you <laughs> yeah kids at the Bible study, you know, we had in our house a while back, mm -hmm. and, you know, my little grandniece, you know, she came up in the living room, she goes, Jesus, Jesus, and she's pointing behind somebody, oh, and, wow. right, and she's like, oh, happy, you know, I think the older you get, you grow up, and you just stop believing, because yeah. this natural world becomes yeah. real to you, yeah, yeah. wow. And she said it, like, not only one time, but another time, too. And it's like, hi, Jesus. <laughs> wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. Yeah, that good. <laughs> All right. For, 
so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's really what I had. And that's awesome because that concludes with everything that we were getting into. That was the perfect finish. Like we said, everybody's not going to cross that Jordan River. So the Lord does not want us to stay all the same. From faith to faith, glory to glory. All right, anybody want to pray up? Any volunteers? I'll do it. All right, calling me up. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity, Lord Jesus, to truly worship and praise your holy and mighty name, Father. And Lord, us as believers here, humbled, with knees bowed, Father, we just ask that the people that we know that are struggling right now, Father, we just ask that you reach out to them, Lord, and you remind them that you are always there and staying away from our, staying away from your spirit, what, what really builds us is not going to solve anything. But staying away is going to get you closer to the world and further away from your promises. So, Lord, we just pray your protection and your peace mm-hmm. over Aline, Father. She's struggling. She's going through something rough, Lord, but we're extending our faith to her. Yes, mm-hmm. And we just ask that you remind her of how she felt when she caught fire and became enlightened, Lord mm-hmm. Jesus. And we know she will never feel the same until she achieves that enlightenment and comes back to you so you can push her way past where she was at, Father. Yes, and Lord, we pray for the other people, too, that aren't able to make it. I pray for Trey, and I pray for Christina, Lord. We just ask that you come into their relationship in a mighty way, Lord. We just ask that you break off all doubt in any hand that the devil has played into their lives, into their marriage, Lord. We ask that you bless the baby, Father, Mm -hmm. and they will be a strong and mighty covenant with you Mm -hmm. that is a kingdom builder, Lord Jesus. And thank you, Father, for just giving us the courage, Lord, giving us the boldness, giving us the faith to continue to trust you in our walk, Lord. As we walk daily and see so many different souls, Lord, We just ask that you open up our hearts so we can truly feel the needs of others, Lord Jesus. And just help us to be true vessels to shine your light, Lord. Mm -hmm. And shine your truth and help us pull people away from the path of destruction and back onto the pathway of construction towards your straight and narrow way. And Lord Jesus, we continue that you, we ask that you continue to outpour your spirit over this ministry, Lord. We just ask that you're building mighty warriors, Lord Jesus, of old times. Lord, give us the heart of David, Lord Jesus. Give us strength, Lord, to battle. And we know that our warfare is not with flesh and blood, Lord, but mighty through you to pulling down strongholds, Lord. So continue to pull the strongholds out of our life that are keeping us blocked from you, Lord. We ask for an increase in our prayer life, Lord Jesus, and increase in the spirit. Thank you, Father, for continuing to bless us. And anybody else, Lord, that needs healing from sickness, any divorce, any pain, Lord Jesus, we just ask that those people be blessed by you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty and holy, 
In true name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchases, over prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.